we're going to talk tonight on communication. We've already established that the church is to be a fellowship. That is a commitment of ourselves in the area of a gap of love, caring, forgiveness, forbearing, submission to one another in the local assembly. We're all guests of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I drove back when I was at home and all 10, 12 kids and their family would come to Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. And, you know, mom couldn't have done that by herself. You know, got to have help. And uh, so it's everyone's responsibility to carry out the agape love, carrying the forgiveness, forbearing submission to one another in the local assembly. Another building block of fellowship is communication. Many problems result from lack of communication. Uh, however, worse problems have resulted from too much communication or the wrong kind of communication. understand that statement uh, I don't I can't help what you say to anybody don't tend to control it but uh, I think there's a lot of things goes on in the church that should only be talked about among church people you know and uh when uh, and it comes out good sometimes. The uh, family that I bought the cabin from seven, eight years, nine, whatever it was. But uh, her and Dora was good friends. She would come over and uh, talk. It never was at each other's house. She was uh, she was a wild flower person and. The hillside had a lot of wildflowers, and she would come over and pick flowers, and, and they would talk. But uh, she uh, told me yesterday, she said, you know, I've been having a lot of back trouble, but uh, I like to cook, and when I uh, cook, you know, I'd be glad to f fix you a plate. I said, I'd probably be glad to eat it, but everybody in this 108 houses down here would have us having an, an affair. That's just the way people are. Why? I've never understood. Watching a neighbor be good to, to a neighbor, you know. And, you know, so that's so her goodness, and I wasn't trying to not to be appreciated, you know, but, uh, and you shouldn't have to worry about that type stuff. You shouldn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But we're always communicating, but we're communicating on the wrong things. If you see in the second paragraph, we must first understand that communication involves both the mouth and the two years. Someone has said God gave us one mouth in two years. Perhaps he wanted us to listen twice as much as we talked. I don't 
know how true that is, but I know there's certain things, you know, when I worked at IBM, and I thank God when I got promoted and I had a lab that I stayed in most of the time, and, you know, at that point I didn't know, you know, what fight my boss and his wife had and what fight the others had and who was going out with whose wife and all that stuff. You know, that's factory talk. That's why it's so wonderful to be able to work in a factory, you know. You find out what everybody is going on. But that shouldn't be in church. It shouldn't be in church. If I have something that's bothering me and I choose one of you to converse with, that's premium you. And if you tell somebody else, I'll never come to you about it. But the sun will stop shining before I tell you anything else. See, now I'm bringing the rough side of it to tell you, to show you what God wants us to do and how communication is necessary if God's going to bless our church. Look in James chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. James said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. is that wonderful to know that you can find in this Bible what is needed for you to have the understanding and the knowledge of being saved. But that it can also teach you a little deeper understanding if I preach something Sunday, if I preach something tonight, you hear something to, tonight, you know, and it gets you thinking, then God is, say, that means you need to do a little more study on your own. You need to do a little more reading. You, know, you need to do a little bit of cross-reference so that you have a better understanding. God is not saying here when he said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to rap. Because what people say or don't say makes us matter or upset much faster than about anything. I learned this from my mom. She always told us kids, you can tell anybody anything I said. You add one verb to it and I'm going to knock you out. And she would. You've got to make that to a point that whatever goes in y'all's house or my house, it goes in this church too. If we're talking to church business, I don't care how saved your Aunt Joe is and Uncle Mike and the babies. You don't discuss church business outside of the church. Amen. If I wasn't preaching, I'd say amen because that's a fact. Because the people you're telling that don't understand. They're not in it. They're not involved in it. 
an excellent verse in this regard, even though we are told in Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, yea, that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That means God is saying, if I try to do right, I may suffer a little persecution for it. But if I act like the average person and tell my best friend because, you know, oh, you can trust her and you can trust him, that's not the point. IBM would fire you over that. When we went into a confidential meeting, if it got out and they found out you the one who said it, you didn't have a job no more. If it's important to a company like IBM, but you think it's important to a local church? Want to talk to your friend? Tell them how to be saved. If they're saved, invite them to church. But you don't discuss certain communication. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going into detail, but... I mean, why, why men, and I don't know whether women did it or not, but come in and talk about things between, ought to be between the husband and wife and nowhere else. Man, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. We should not expect that persecution to come from our own fellowship. We should not expect that persecution to come from our own fellowship. You know, I use a prime example. You know, I don't know who did it. I could find out who did it, but, uh, you know, when we had that little disturbance in our church, you know, and before I could walk from here to the parsonage, you know, I got a call from somebody many, many miles away saying, are you all right, Pastor? Oh, I would have been all right if I'd have got my hands off of You know, you shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. And I thank God that those people are gone, and if they repent of it and come back, I would, uh, I would invite them back. Have a magnifying glass on top of them. Because you got a problem when you go out and just tell barefaced lies on anybody. You hear me preach? Amen. And you say, well, saved people wouldn't do that. Oh, saved people are capable of doing that. A saved person out of the will of God can do anything that a lost person can do. That's why that we strive to keep ourselves in the will of God. In Luke sixteen twenty six, Christ warns us by saying, Woe unto you when men shall speak of you. Yes, the world will speak evil about you. The religious world may make some very malicious comment about you. Often, we are referred to as fundamentalists, while others are called as legalists. You know, 
when you go out and you knock on the door and uh, somebody says, oh, yeah, you're the church where you preach against this and you preach against that, you know. Ain't nobody else preached against those things. What's wrong with you, Brother Vance? Why would somebody go out and share that with anybody? Yes, the world will speak evil about us. The world may make some very malicious comment about us. Often we are referred to as, as I said, funny mentalists. Well, others call us legalists. Then there is Satan, who according to 1 Peter 5, 8, is seeking whom he may devour. Satan is just having a ball when Christians go out and speak things against a church or another church member that should be kept inside the walls. No, it's... it's of course, I was, a, I guess, a little shelter, you know, at, at the home. We didn't have, you know, all the stuff that people have now, but, you know, man, you know, I, I can't imagine going into IBM and Sharon's what me and my wife done or, you know, what kind of mental state that person is in? Well, we do the same thing when we go out and speak against anything that the pastor preaches that is from the Word of God. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to participate in it. You don't have to practice it. But you're part of this body and when you go out and speak evil of the man that God has put in that place of leadership, you hinder the working of the Spirit of God. Sure. You know, as I said, according to First Peter 5, 8, you know, Satan is just looking for somebody to make a mistake, to say something out of place. God said in 1 Peter 5, 8, he said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Satan is listening to your voice. He's listening to your attitude. And he knows who you can share something with and it'd be between you and the person you shared with. He also knows that person that's going to have a three-way conversation, a four-way conversation. Shouldn't be. With all this opposition going on, notice in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, God said, for we... Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. You realize that demons will affect you, Steve, a lot faster than he will anybody in your family if they're lost? Wow. 
Why did he bother the lost person? Demons appear unto save people. I don't ask anybody to believe it. When I was in Larsburg, I was interested in Stephen and the demons, and I just studied them. And brother down at Independence, who was no longer pastor down there, me and him talked about it. And he said, Brother Vance, watch out how deep you go. I didn't know what that statement made. I wanted to find everything I could about demons. Until one night in my study, my table raised up and the light started blinking. Hadn't studied on demons for a long time since. Demons know more than you do. The only way you can fight the demons is with the Spirit of God. Each day in the world in which we live, we hear a filthy language, wrathful words, and the taking of God's name in vain. You know, and I, I don't mean to be boastful because, man, I've got some, I've got many weaknesses. But I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to death that neither one of my three children has ever heard me curse. I'm talking about from the time I was, well, when all my children were born, I was already saved, so they shouldn't, but, but you know, why would you want to curse the Lord? Because our body gets so out of culture, we the Satan and the spirits take over. Thank God that they can't abide in that, but man, they can sure cause you some problems. Each day in this world in which we live, we hear filthy language, wrathful words, and the taking of God's name in vain. The fellowship of the local church is to be a wonderful and repose from the barrier of verbal abuse. What a terrible crime against God's ordained fellowship is when our communication grows wicked. One of my brothers sent me some clips of some preachers preaching on demons and he must have been demon possessed when he's preaching because he said so many curse words that you wouldn't how could you preach against it? But God said it makes no difference what I say or that other preacher says, but God says in Proverbs chapter ten Proverbs chapter ten and verse 32, when God said, The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh forwardness. Let me ask you a question based upon this verse. 
How can a saved man go around cursing? How can a saved man go around taking the Lord's name in vain? He said, but, no, I know what the devil do, but God said the lips of a righteous knoweth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh forwardness. When a saved man doesn't know how to control his language, he's being courted by demons. According to that verse, You can do me like a lot of other people do. Well, I don't know exactly what that verse means, but it don't mean that. And that I wonder John three sixteen or Ephesians two eight or those scriptures that we love. Did he really mean that? God said, not Brother Vance, the lips of the righteous knoweth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh forwardness. I think it's self-explanatory. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. I believe that if you're saved, been saved a little while, you know. I think you since attend church. I think you detect the twins back there. They know the difference between godly language and worldly language. Why? They've been in church for a long time. And even though you may not want to hear, you sat on there long enough and the truth seeps in. Don't it interrupt that? It seeps in. And what you weren't interested in, now God makes you interested in. That's just a private joke between me and her. You know. And let me show you the difference between a preacher and a pastor. She stopped over there and she said, I'm looking for a church for my granddaughter. Didn't say nothing about herself. I didn't ask nothing about herself. I said, okay. All these years later, who's still here? The word makes the difference. Here a little bit, there a little bit. The following here are examples of wicked communication, gossip, slander, discouragement concerning the church, its people, and its efforts. The same song that says, Be careful, little lips, what you say, also says, Be careful, little ears, what you hear. When I was younger, I thought it was silly when some adults said, You shouldn't listen to that kind of music. It'll, it'll affect you. Oh, man, this is entertainment. What's wrong? You think I'm stupid or something? Your music does affect you. What you watch on TV affect you. What movies you go see affect you. And then some of us think, oh, it don't bother me. 
And the devil likes you to say that. Yeah, it bothers you. You're just not conscious of it. I fought it for almost a year, going to Drake's Baptist Church, and each time I left, I tell them I wouldn't be back. I tell my sister, I ain't going back, man, you know. 80 people in that building, all he preached to was me. Certainly I ain't the only sinner there. But see, God knew I needed it. Be careful of the years what you hear. Some of the reasons for wicked speech stems from such situations as people who are trying to make the church music standard and doctrinal more platable to the world and more like the liberal-leaning churches. The term change is good is often heard, but is it rarely referring to change to be more holy, righteous, and scriptural? Change is good. Yeah, if it's the right kind of change. <coughs> I, I told a fellow that today. I said, you know, you you was against Trump. I said, is what we got now better than Trump? You know, we we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know, but if we're in the hands of God, we know that whatever it is, we'll go through it untouched by Satan, but not uninfluenced. On the second paragraph, it said, Many times wrong communication comes in the form of three eyes implication, insinuation, and inaccuracy. So let us consider some biblical examples of these forms of wrong communication and see the practical application first. Let's look at implication. Just as Judah implied that the anointing of Jesus by Mary was wasteful and the anointment, this all that was expensive, should have been sold and given to the poor. Sometimes one sees a pastor, youth director, church employee, or some other leader in the church using a vehicle or borrowing a table for a class party and then implies that leader is being selfish, not wanting to spend his or her own money to, to use his own vehicle or table. He said, have you ever experienced that? No, I didn't. My wife did. My wife asked me, can I drive the church van to go pick up the ladies? Yes. Nobody came to me and said, I'm against that. Because they knew how I would handle it. Somebody is being a blessing. Isn't that mission work? 
each time we send food down to the food pantry. That's mission work. Well, some of those people could work. No doubt in my mind. I don't know anybody's on it, but yeah, probably some of them could. Is that why we look at how much money in the bank and we say, well, you know, thirds don't need it. It got nothing to do with your responsibility as a church member. Don't make it up how much money church got. I can name you a person that used to be, uh, and probably uh, one of you or more will know who I'm talking about without talking about, borrowed $10 from a person. And the person told me, and so I went to the person that borrowed the money. Well, she's got plenty of money. What does that got to do with it? If I had a million dollars and I borrowed a dollar from you, I owe you that dollar. Can I get an amen? amen? I mean, when you borrow it, it's different than somebody getting it to you. Look how much money a person got. Just as Judas implied that the anointing of Jesus by Mary was wasteful. Further implied that the leader is being a burden to the church because the church will have to replace that table or vehicle sooner than expected with money that could have been applied to greater use in the ministry. Uh, it, it made perfect sense to, to me, you know. That van is never going to have tires put on it if you don't drive it. But if you drive your car, Sooner or later, you're going to have something go wrong with it. And we ought to be thankful if we had a van and used it. Sure, that van's going to cost some, some money. But if we're using it for the Lord, can you say mission work? You know. Second point that happens since the last two weeks. Got three, four people that's interested in a Bible study, and I'm gonna have a Bible study one night of the week over, over at my house. You know, the door probably said, "I don't want them in my house." But no, she wouldn't. <laughs> I'll open my house for three or four or five men to have a Bible study. And if that three or four or five men drove to 10 or 15 men, then you got a mission. Or you got the need for a bus. All because one person wanted to learn about the Bible. That's called God opened up doors, says Henrietta. Secondly, Sometimes people like to insinuate things. For example, David's brother insinuated that David was looking for self-pity and was up to no good when he was asking about Goliath. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard someone say that about another Christian when they are given their testimony? 
donated a large gift, sung a song, or done some work in the church. The evil spirit of envy enters and the critic situates that the individual is grandstanding. We ought to be thankful if God added somebody to the church that has the ability and the know-how to do something that needs to be done. And finally, there are those that give inaccurate or misleading information. Satan did this with Eve when he assured her, ye shall not surely die. But instead, he shall be as gods. For as you've had misinformation or inaccurate information given about you, pastors deal with the problem often. I think all of you know who Freddie Major is. Anybody doesn't know Freddie? Freddie's been a dear friend to me for many, many years. He just left here and moved to Maine. I mean, Freddie... That's the heart of a line. I mean. But this little girl came to me and said, I need you to go ask Freddie something. I said, why don't you ask him? Oh, no, I, 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 don't, I don't think I could ask him. But you want me to ask him something? She said, yeah. I want you to ask him if he's gay. Why do you think he's gay? Well, he's just... That's funny. You mean he doesn't wear the type clothes you wear or he don't comb his hair the way you comb your hair? Or he may listen to some music you wouldn't listen to. It's just what makes him different? I said, ma'am, there is absolutely no way under the sun that I'm going to a church member and ask them, are they gay? Because you think they walk, talk, or act like a gay. She said, I thought sure you would do it. I said, well, that shows you don't know me very well. Well, you will keep your eyes open. Oh, yeah, I'll keep my eyes open. I don't want to stumble and fall. Stupidness. Stupidness. I can take my medicine at night sometimes. It don't bother me at all. Others 
15 minutes after I take my medicine, I get up and go to the kitchen and want to give me a slice of water. And I, I said, man, that last drink is getting to me. I guess you ought to have me tested for alcohol or drugs or something. Then you say stupid. I can't understand those type of things. But on the other hand, communication should involve right things. First, it should involve admonition, the giving of instruction, wisdom, exhortation on the basics of Scripture. Admonition should be directed toward those going doctrinally astray. It should also be given to those who aren't as faithful as they once was. Hebrews 10.25 If you read that scripture, there's a portion that says, Exhort one another. I don't think I'm wrong. But if I miss two or three Sundays in a row, somebody would want to know what's wrong with me. Wouldn't it? But what if uh, Sister Jean missed three Sundays in a row? Because everybody expects the pastor to be here. I expect every member to be here unless they're sick or providence answering. But it's not important what I expect. What does God expect? But being a little bit wise, I understand there's things that comes up that you have no control over. There's times that you're not sick enough to go to the hospital, but you don't feel like getting out of bed, or you don't feel like getting out of the, you know, but we don't, you know, we jump to conclusions without knowing anything about it. And if you do that, you'll have one or two people agree with you. Well, I was thinking the same thing, Sister, I didn't have nerves laid or gas. No, you, no. Another area in the which right communication is necessary as comfort may include, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I was talking to a person, I don't know, two or three months after my wife passed away, and I said, uh, If I did something, even if I didn't know I did it, if she brings it to my attention, I would tell her, I'm sorry. I did that ignorantly. <laughs> Be a cold day below before I do that. Well, I think I can safely say I love my wife a lot more than you love yours. We're one. Husband and wife is one. Hmm? One. 
Well, she needs to grow up. She's already lost more integrity on a diet than you'll ever have. You know what I'm saying? I'm passionate for that kind of stuff. I'm passionate for that kind of stuff. I was married all these years. I never once called my wife old lady. You may call yours old lady. It may be fine with you. It ain't fine with me. My wife is not old lady. My wife is my wife. Amen. She's not some old lady. But what about the Lord? Doesn't he invite you every time the doors are open to come? And he gives you some play. He said, you know, there is such a thing as being, you know, come up that you can't help it. You've got kids. You've got responsibility. You've got a family. You've got a responsibility. paragraph here that says, you know, another area in right communication necessarily is comfort. And comfort may include, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Is that hard to say? I've had to go to my kids, Steve, and, and tell them, I'm sorry. I mishandled that situation. I acted without having all the facts. But as I told you about a little incident about my son and another guy, boy buying some beer down there, I said to him, watch them from the filling station, you know, and then they l- lied to me. It wasn't old. That wasn't a good meeting because I had all the facts. And I had the responsibility that God gives me to correct that. And finally, good communication involves encouragement. Often this is seen by the word exhort in the scriptures. Good way to be an encouragement is for us to seek out and greet people at church. While it may be true that many are shy and even seem unfriendly, we should still go out our way to be kind to them. I think that this church, I would give an A on that. It should be. When somebody comes in, you ought to welcome them. You don't overflock them and you know, smother them to death, but you ought to know, you ought to let them know, I'm glad you're here. I usually tell them, I think there's over 100 churches in Harrison County, and you chose this one. I'm touched. They may never come back. But my responsibility is to let them know I'm glad they're here. 164-hour week may only include seven hours at church for the faithful, truly God-loving Christian. Therefore, we should 
make each trip really count with edification, godly communication, without giving and complaining. If our communication is not right, our fellowship is not scriptural. I mean, the last couple, three years, you know, very seldom ever, 45 minutes is a long message for, for me. Years ago, I preached close to Iron High for better. Times have changed. People have changed. But when you, the song leader gives the invitation, that invitation song ought to be sung with dignity and praise and honor. But what does the average member do? They're gathering up their stuff, putting their coats on, discussing, are we going to eat here? All of those things and more will keep God from blessing the church. And I think that with 55 years of experience, I know a little bit about it. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We ask, Father, you may bless this, thy people, give them safety, even some short distance or long distance as they travel home. Those that are sick, unable to be here.